This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with Steve Smith from Las Cruces, New Mexico, and Tim May from Nashville, Tennessee, who are in town for a concert. Guys, welcome to Valley Views. Thanks for having us in, Gary. We appreciate it. Now, for those unfamiliar with your work, uh, how would you describe your sound? Oh, you got me on that one. Let's see. Well, we play in, in uh, we play a duo, mandolin guitar duo mostly. We do switch off with a pair of mandolins and uh, octave mandolin and guitar. Um, some people have described us as as taking an old an old style, which was an early country music style of mandolin and guitar duos with vocals, and kind of modernizing it quite a bit. Uh, you know, we do everything from old traditional pieces um, and Irish works to uh, to modern original works and even jazz standards. And uh, Tim, who were your early musical influences? Uh, the first person I ever heard that really got me was Earl Scruggs, you know, playing the banjo. And I thought there were, I really thought there were three or four banjos playing at the same time. <laughs> um, and so I started playing the banjo at 11. And then I heard guys like Dan Creary and Tony Rice playing the guitar and got into more of the flat picking thing. But that was the, really the biggest was Earl. You know, he really changed the sound of, of, uh, of music, I think. Uh, Steve, how about you? Early influences? Well, my father was my first earliest influence, but then I started doing heavy doses of Earl Scruggs and uh, <laughs> and learned all the stuff from the records, and then realized, hey, there's a book. And um, but at that time too, my listening my listening palette involved everything from from Eric Clapton and uh, Grand Funk Railroad to um, to Johnny Mitchell to Earl Scruggs and the Osborne Brothers. So that's where I was really at. Every afternoon I was listening to that stuff, and uh, and I would sit down and learn it. So you're both in multiple bands. That's how things go in the musical world. It keeps things interesting. It keeps gigs out in front of you. But uh, how did this duo come about? Well, we met at Camp Bluegrass in Leveland, Texas, um, and uh, teaching there. It's probably been 18 years ago now. Yeah, it's been a good while. It's been a good while. And uh, so we would play there, you know, a good bit. And then uh, we've been doing this, you know, touring as this act for about two or three years now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We're 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 approaching our fourth year of touring together. And we get together when we can. We don't get to get out full time. But um, um, that would make it like work if we did. (laughs) But, (laughs) uh, you know, we want to, you know, it it stays good and fresh for us. And, and, um, and the, the, I think the genesis of what we do is that we both are improvisers. Mm-hmm. And so every night is a different different path for us on things. And so that's that's the thing that keeps it nice and fresh. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. Tim has just great energy to work with, so that's why I really dig it. Now, you've both rubbed shoulders with some uh, famous folks. Do any of them stand out as someone who's offered you help at the right time or a kind word when it really made a difference? Well, one of my mentors early on was Pat Flynn of Newgrass. Uh-huh. Um, he he actually was going to college at the same when Newgrass broke up. He ended up going to college at the same place I was at, really? <laughs> at Lipscomb in Nashville. Yeah, and so we got to be friends. And so he pro- he produced Crucial Smith, the mm-hmm. uh, the uh, band I was in early on and coming out of college there. Yeah, and Newgrass revival with Bela Fleck, John Cowan, and Sam Bush, mm-hmm. along with Pat Flynn, mm-hmm. changed sort of changed mm-hmm. the face of uh, mm-hmm. bluegrass music with that mm-hmm. with that new Newgrass. So. Yeah. 
Well, Steve, how about you? Uh, any any people stand out that really gave you a hand at the right time? Well, I studied. I got to study formally with a guy named Tom Espinola, who's still a close friend and one of, still one of my favorite musicians in the world. But you know, I got to um, I, I got to work with a lot of great players, and 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 everyone's been encouraging along the way. You know, I had a um, I had a conversation backstage decades ago with Roy Bookbinder, and I was in a really I was in a, a really not in a great mood. Something funky had happened. I, I wasn't in a great mood, and he came over and sat down beside me and just said, "Hey, look, yeah, it's okay. You know, you got the advantage over over almost everybody on the earth. You get to do what you want to do and <laughs> and play music and travel around and." Uh, it's not so bad. <laughs> well, you know, you were asking about the, the de- describing our style, and really, we do what we like to do. I mean, it yeah. really is that we we just do whatever music we like to do, which is a great place to be. You know, yeah, yeah. that's 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 yeah. important for us because we find it to be personally musically healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, when uh, when you were playing here uh, locally, you played some. Jazz standards, or you played uh, Blue Skies, Irving Berlin. You played some uh, Mozart, uh, quite a quite a classical piece, which went over very well. Flatten Scruggs. So, so you you bring a lot of different musical influences in into the whole thing. So, Steve, who do you look to on the mandolin, uh, style wise? Who who's influenced your style? Well, uh, again, back to Thomas Manola. He really opened my mind up to everything from Celtic music to Bela Bartok. But I spent a lot of time doing heavy doses of David Grisman, and then I, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time. I think the single best mandolin lesson I ever had was a sound check. <laughs> and uh, our band was opening for Newgrass Revival, and then uh, Newgrass came on, did about a twenty-five minute sound check. And every time I'd see Sam do something, I'd just slap my head. Oh, that's a oh, that's how you do. Oh, I've been trying to learn all this stuff, you know. And so I find that to be really. I mean, I'm really. Ex- um, the young modern mandolin players, and I'm, I'm certainly not a young modern mandolin player, but the young modern mandolin players really excite me to see where they're going, where they're going. Guys like Chris Seeley, best player maybe in the history of the world at this point. Um, uh-huh. So many great players. And every time I get around these guys, I go like, wow, that's just incredible. And I find it's, it's, it, it really makes me feel good, even though I, go, I can't do that, but it makes me feel good. <laughs> but I don't, I, 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 I spend as much time listening to saxophones uh-huh. and fiddles and violins as I do anything else. Yeah, at, at some point it's about the musical styles and the notes and, and yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, sure is. Yeah, sure Tim, is. how about how about your uh, expand a little more on guitar players that maybe influenced you or people playing today that you particularly like? Well, early on, uh, like I said, Dan Creary and Tony Rice, um, I just kind of immersed myself in that. But I almost immediately uh, tried to do my own thing. In other words, I really almost quit listening to those guys just to to not be drawn too heavy on them. But um, and so. I just kind of did my own thing. Not that I never listened to anybody, and I certainly appreciate guys like David Greer and Brian Sutton. I love what they do. But um, and then in recent years, I'm, I'm kind of like he was saying, I'm, I'm listening to horns and stuff like that more than anything to try to get the jazz thing in my head a little bit. But uh, modern players, um, see, I still think of Brian Sutton as being young. Uh-huh. So you know, <laughs> what you say we were the young guys. Yeah, you know? but, uh, that's right. Brian, Brian Sutton playing with uh, uh, Hot Rise now. Is that's that right. is that right? Yeah. 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 If a big windfall fell in your lap, that big check came in, and your wives said, "Oh, you can spend this on instruments because we we don't need this wow. money." What what is there anything out there? Any piece of equipment? Uh, any instrument that you'd go, "Oh, I need wow. to try to get that." Well, uh, we were you and I were talking about at breakfast this uh, the uh, Maybell Carter's twenty eight uh, <laughs> Gibson L five. 
Well, I would, I would really, I've always wanted a lore signed um, L5. One of the first L5s would be kind of my dream guitar, or even one from the period of, of uh, maybe because they probably were a little better, the 28s or whatever. Uh-huh. That's kind of my dream guitar, yeah. And, and uh, uh, we were talking, I noticed on your website, you were an aficionado of the early Gibson instruments right. in that mandolin orchestra mm-hmm. era, which was early 20th century. Mm-hmm. Did, did you collect those or? I did. I ended up selling it to the New York Metropolitan uh, Museum. Oh, but, wow. Um, yeah, it was 12 instruments. They were, I mean, the workmanship obviously is just incredible. Mm-hmm. And that, one of my goals to collect them was just to show people what they were doing. Because everybody thinks the lore era from 24 on with the F hole. Yeah. You know, not to get too deep into all that kind of stuff, but just the oval hole sound and all that stuff was just, they're just great instruments. And so I miss them, but I got yeah. still got a few of them left. How about how about you, Steve? What would, what, what would you go out and... Uh well, I've Look got some it. good instruments. I would probably add a couple of more really nice Neve mic preamps and um, a couple of vintage uh, Neve and Telefunken microphones to my recording studio because I like <laughs> uh, I really like recording and engineering. Um, that's probably what I do. Although I could probably stand to have another couple of small body Martins from the 30s. Um, I've got one and I absolutely love it. So if you've got one, you might as well have two. <laughs> that's right. But now you guys have uh, two CDs out, I believe. One uh, self-titled CD and one uh, Murder of Crows. Yes, that's our newest. Anything in the pipeline for the folks out here? We've we've already started some. Uh, uh, like last night, we did this combination. We called it Mozart's Greasy Coat. We've already started. We've got that track down uh, with the Mozart and old time string band tune linked together. Uh, and so we've been leaning towards an instrumental project. But but you know, I think that we'll, you know, who knows what we'll really end up doing. You know, I think it's. Um, I'm always of the mind of record what's ready to go or what you feel like doing that day. But that's just just because I'm more scattered and he's very focused. So it's <laughs> like a, it makes a good combination. How many shows are you able to do it in a year? Well, together, what have we been doing? We're doing about six weeks a year together, so mm, that's kind weeks. of what we're out mm-hmm. doing. I've been doing, last year I had done 161 nights out last mm-hmm. year, 161 things. And so, and so um, of which about 45 or 50 were with Tim, and then some others with the Hard Road Trio. And then I did, you know, did some projects with other folks, and I go out and do workshops, which I count as a gig, you know. And Tim, you do. Uh, you're in Nashville. You do some session work on on albums. You've traveled with people like P- Patty Loveless and and John Cowan. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you still doing that sort of thing? Uh, just odds and ends, crazy stuff here and there. Um, and my wife Gretchen and I play. She's a great fiddle player. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and we have a thing called plaid grass. It's like a combination of Irish and bluegrass. So we do a little bit of stuff and. Uh, and Steve and I do a lot of camps through the year. That's that actually you do a lot of teaching. Lot of that, yeah. that that's right. That's that's great. And uh, uh, as Steve mentioned yesterday, you're you've got a gig coming up in Carnegie Hall. That's right. That's what, right. What's up with that? And it's on the banjo. What's up with that? I know on that, the banjo. Yeah. What's up with <laughs> that? <around>. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's very cool. So most memorable gig for me, it was it was playing. Actually, I, I saw Steve. <laughs> who's a little older than me, at the um, Bluegrass Festival of the United States in Kentucky, in Louisville. I was 13, so I don't know. He, his was band about was 23 playing. 23 or 24, yeah, right. And, uh, and uh, I played on the stage. Uh-huh. As, well, I played my band. These, these girls got, thought we were cute. We were like, you know, looked like a bunch of kids. They got us up there to play. And, and I remember the uh, DJ saying, no, I'm not into cute, <laughs> so you boys better be able to bring it. <laughs> but I mean, it was a huge crowd. It was several thousand, many thousand people. So that was a huge deal yeah. for me. Yeah, but anyway, it and it was years later that I realized that I, that I had seen Steve and his <laughs> band, uh, Cloud Valley, there. It's that's amazing that you stuck with music after having seen. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very cool. How about you, Steve? Any memorable concerts come to mind? 
I've had a lot of really great gigs and feel pretty darn lucky to be able to say that. I just have a lot of them that have been really good. So I can't say ding, ding. I mean, I've played Harley Strictly Bluegrass where you have 200,000 people in the audience. Yeah. You know, and um, and it just like a, looks like a sea of people. You can't even focus on people's faces. You know, that was fun stuff. I've had some good gigs. You know, I'm, I, I, I really like the energy at the end of the night after Tim and I played, you know, like, like yeah. we played last night, man. It just felt, you know, you know, what else could there be, you know? get whisked off to the ski resort i mean you know <laughs> by the helicopter but you know um i've had so many good gigs that i, I it'd be hard to list one to really well I, I think we should uh fire up the instruments and maybe uh play a song or two sure. for the folks We'd so they can do that. they yeah. can uh they can hear that so uh let's uh let's get ready for that guys thanks for coming in we really appreciate it thank you gary thanks for having us awesome. in gary we yeah. appreciate it and All support right. public radio
just as cold inside All the warmth is gone without my baby and In my mind something stirs And my lips start crying out your name I'm sitting here wondering where you are Listening to the rain Some new love Try to black it out All that I can see is him and you love Knowing that it might be true That the thing that's causing all the pain I'm sitting here wondering where you are Listening to the rain I'm sitting here wondering where you We've been visiting with Steve Smith from Las Cruces, New Mexico, and Tim May from Nashville, Tennessee, in town to play some music. My name's Gary. We'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 